Hello and welcome to Corona Stories, the place where people can be open and honest about their feelings surrounding Covid, lockdown and related matters. I'm Christine Padgham. Today is the 11th of June and I'm speaking to Mr Mark Bully, who I have never spoken to before and I'm very much looking forward to a quick chat it's going to be because you've got to rush off don't you Mark? I do, hi Christine and uh, we've got there in the end by various technical technological difficulties but here we are and it's uh, it's a great pleasure to speak to you. Yes and we don't know one another really at all but we've just met up through um, some anti-lockdown campaigning stuff and I think you've been having quite an interesting time since March 2020 and I was quite interested to hear a bit about it. So Yes, um, well I, I certainly have. Um, an adventure. That, that, date, that date of the 23rd of March is, is burned, 2020 is burned onto my brain, it will never be forgotten and, and perhaps more importantly it will never be forgiven. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'm laughing about it. Well, I'm, I, I'm, sometimes you have to. I don't really mean to because it's it's unquestionably the worst thing that has ever happened, certainly in my lifetime. <coughs> um, and I'm, you know, I'm sure I know I'm not alone in uh, in feeling that. So obviously, it, it was a you know. I don't think there's anybody, well, no, because lockdown's never been tried. So, of course, there's never, there's nobody alive who has, who had previously experienced anything like this and, and to whom you could turn for uh, advice or, or, you know, um, just any way in which to cope with this. Now, lockdown was announced, and, and I won't lie, in the, in the first week or two, there was almost this kind of not pleasant, but there's almost this novelty to it. And yeah. you know, the first two or three weeks, I think even I was was prepared to accept at the time two or three weeks because we had no idea what this thing was. Um, there were apocalyptic stories coming out, and, and at that stage, I was still somebody who who read the news and the newspapers and, and believed that they were telling a, a sort of unvarnished. Um, the unvarnished truth. I have since changed my mind on that. So at the time, I thought, gosh, you know, this this thing could be a real kind of a real plague. We could be in trouble here. We may, you know. So I was kind of willing initially to observe it. What um, starts to change, I suppose. What, so I live by myself. I'm, I'm a professional uh, lawyer in uh, in Oxford, but I live. Uh, I'm lucky enough to own a house, but I, I live in it by myself, other than normally, other than a steady stream of Airbnb guests, except uh, for obvious reasons that hasn't happened yeah. much at all in the last year and a half. Uh-huh. But, you know, so as I say, initially lockdown was, was kind of tolerable because at first everyone bought into it and, and uh, there were Zoom calls every five minutes, and, and even though I was physically by myself. I had lots going on because I was just starting a new job. I actually began working for the company I, I now do on the 1st of April last year. Oh, right. uh-huh. so, so initially I was kind of 
distracted and didn't, couldn't really think about the fact that we were trapped in our, our homes because I was trying to get to grips with the, the new job and everything that goes with that. Um, and I can't, I honestly don't remember what the sort of specific trigger was that made me start to question everything. I suspect it was probably the fact that that we were told, I'm sure this is, I'm not knowing this, but we were told it would be for three weeks and it was just to alleviate the immediate pressure on, on the health services while we figured out what this thing was. Um, so when that time elapsed and it, it started to become clear that, hey, hang on, this, this thing is not just going to be a quick three week in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, I started to, and as I say, the novelty wore off. I started to become quite down, you know, because here I was living down myself and suddenly out of nowhere, all the things that gave my life meaning, whether it, you know, from the simple stuff like going to the pub to, um, I'm a very active Freemason, to all the Freemasonry was suddenly suspended. And that was a huge chunk of my social life just taken from me there and then. Mm-hmm. Um, to playing sports, you know, we had a, we had such lovely weather last year and ordinarily I'd be out cricketing and golfing and playing tennis and doing this and the other and all of that was just swept away. Um, <clears throat> likewise, travel, I, I'm a, I pretty much live to, live to traveling and, and uh, I'm one of these people that, you know, some, some might say it sounds a bit sort of snobbish or whatever, but as far as I'm concerned, I have, Whatever I have, 25 days of annual leave a year, and I consider it a bit of a waste if I spend any of those in the UK. You know, there are some nice, sure, there are some nice places here, but I figure I can do those when I'm old and decrepit. I, I would far rather be traveling the world while I while I still can. So, you know, all of these things were, were just taken away at a stroke, and it, it quickly started after the novelty war, it quickly started to weigh on me. And... I, I guess I started to look for kind of, I can't remember whether I first found lockdown skeptics or, or exactly how it happened. It, it feels like pre-lockdown life was such a, was another world. It was such a long time ago that mm-hmm. the, the memories of how this, uh, how I got into this <laughs> sort of merged into one. But anyway, I let's just say that I came across the lockdown skeptics website it all sort of happened at once i think i subscribed to the spectator uh start and you know lockdown skeptics was an obvious follow-on from there um because i I instinctively felt initially that my reasons were entirely selfish i instinctively felt boy how dare you just take my life from me i'm perfectly healthy there's nothing wrong with me yeah i can't we can't go go around infecting longer i don't have this thing so initially it was about that, and um, I was fortunate to, I had a, a kind of little group of three other friends in Oxford who were all in a similar situation to me. They were all living by themselves, um, and in one case, you know, living by himself in a, a tiny student room, which is hardly somewhere you want to, to see out lockdown of any length. Um, and we all kind of initially felt, well, sorry, we're, we're young-ish, uh, healthy, 
there's nothing wrong with us. We're not just going to, to stop socialising. So we sort of found ways between going to one another's houses or, or um, invading the garden of a closed pub, which you could still get into by, by the river here, and just going and sitting by the river and drinking. We found ways to um, continue to have some kind of a life because I, I was damned if I was going to stay in my house and, and obey this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So that was initially the, the kind of rebelliousness was, was restricted to just seeing a handful of friends and uh, meeting up when we weren't supposed to be doing or going out for bike rides or so on when we weren't supposed to exercise with anyone else. Wild stuff, wild stuff, yeah. Mark. <laughs> I know. Um, so I guess I guess kind of fast forward a bit really because, you know, the lock, first lockdown happened the weather was good, we were able to be outside a lot and, and essentially ignore the, the gathering rules such as they were. And then you had, you know, last year we had the Freedom Day, Independence Day, whatever it was called, on the 4th of July, and that was a great day and everyone was out and it felt like, okay, well, the last three months have been pretty miserable, but it's over now, it's done, you know. Yeah. Um, so... Then, and, and of course, last summer you could travel, and I managed to go abroad a couple of times, and you didn't need vaccines, and you didn't need tests, and you didn't need any of that rubbish. <coughs> um, so I guess the time to start this, this uh, narrative from, I suppose, is, is sort of September, October last year, when, you know, suddenly it appeared that we were... Um, having another wave of so-called cases and um, I won't go into all the, the PCR testing and the cases and the mm -hmm. false positives because I think that all of your listeners will know all about that and then it's just going over all ground but anyway suffice it to say it appeared we were having another wave of uh, quotes cases and then all the kind of media pressure started up again and all these demoring bastards from Sage and Independent Sage and Imperial and Warwick and the London School of Tropical Health and all of these places were doing what they do and invading the, the media and casting doom-laden forecasts. And before you know it, we had the, the November 2020 lockdown, which admittedly very helpfully gave four days warning off, so I ran away from the beer for a bit. What did you? Yeah, but on no hard back, feelings. I'm sorry. No hard feelings. <laughs> uh, but I think I think it was around that point that um, once it you know, became clear that first of all that another lockdown was happening, um, and that we had to we had the clear system before then. I think I can't even remember now. I know. But it became obvious that this was something you know that we were in for the long haul. And by this point, I was well-versed with the sceptic arguments. I'd, I'd read, as I say, about PCR testing. I'd read about the average age <coughs> me, of people dying with or of or whatever the right word is, uh, COVID-19 respiratory disease. That, by the way, is a, it's worth pointing out. Again, I'm sure I'm, I'm preaching to the converted here, but the ordinary members of the public do not know, they think that there's a thing called COVID-19 or coronavirus. They don't know that the virus is called SARS-CoV-2. It's closely related to 
SARS number one from back in the early 2000s. Mm. And that if you catch the virus, in almost all cases, barring a very few unlucky ones, you will have no symptoms or very mild sort of fluey, cold-like symptoms at the worst. If you are unfortunate or you're one of the sort of clinically vulnerable people, then you may, as a result of catching SARS-CoV-2, begin to suffer with the respiratory disease, not virus, mm-hmm. COVID-19. That's, for me, it's an absolutely crucial distinction, which has just lazily been ignored and not made in the media at all. But anyway. Well, um, one of my pet hates, and even the Informed Scotland group, we produced a letter recently about the vaccine information leaflet, which is circulating in Scotland. And even the NHS doesn't seem to understand the distinction between SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19. So it says things like, you can spread COVID-19. No, you can't. You can you can spread the virus, but you can't spread the disease. That's not how it works. And you know, say things like, it says things like, you can have COVID-19 without symptoms. And it's like, no, you can't, because COVID-19 is the symptoms. Yeah. You know, it's I quite mean, basic stuff, really, that even yeah. the health authorities and the government doesn't seem to understand. Well, they, they, they probably do understand it. They just don't want to say it. Or they, pretending they don't understand their, it. They don't to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, anyway, I think now I have, what I do distinctly recall is that around the time I went to Madeira, that was when I happened upon the lockdown skeptics forums the, the forums that they have on the website uh-huh. and i saw that people i saw that people had started to post you know oh i'm in southampton or i'm in bristol or i'm birmingham or i'm wherever and you know i'm desperate to meet other people who, who think this is all about bollocks but uh, am i allowed to swear Pardon yeah. my French, don't worry um, <laughs> we think this is all complete fabricated rubbish mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, well, you know, as well as the, the three, kind of my three friends with whom I formed the lockdown quartet. So I, I, that's that's what it was. I was looking for other people because by that time, October, November, one of them actually came with me to Madeira. And then because he's in the fortunate position of being a retired investment banker, we just bought a flat one day and just stayed in Madeira. And we stayed there now. <laughs> <laughs> and the other two had... In the interim, over the over the summer, when things got easier, had had moved away from Oxford. So I was like, right, I need to find more anti-lockdown people to spend time with. So of course, I'll just take a punt, put a message on the, the lockdown, the, the lockdown skeptics forums. You know, I'm in Oxford. Is anyone else out there? And I, I got loads of replies. Probably eight, ten people initially emailed back. So once I returned from Madeira, I had, it was a wonderfully sort of surreptitious evening. I had, I think about 10 people came round my house in uh, November, the middle of the November lockdown for kind of drinks, drinks and middles. And we had a whole... So this was people, sorry, this was people that you met through lockdown skeptics? That's right, yes. Yeah, Isn't so that lovely? I- I remember um, listening to the London Calling podcast and hearing Toby Young talking about having set up the, you know, the the 
what do you call it, matchmaker, the matchmaking? Yeah, no, that's the thing. I think he did it as a bit of a joke. Yeah. They came up with a great name for it. It was called Love in a COVID Climate. That's right. And what I was going to say is I just love that because I've been finding that with my own adventure, and we're talking about your adventure here, but it's amazing how these little actions that people take that they think, oh, nothing, you know, who knows what will come of this. Yeah. And it's just like it's wonderful <clears throat> that yeah that an evening even just one evening at your house I mean I'm sure that that was replicated yeah. across the country of people like-minded souls making friends that's just absolutely wonderful yeah. I love that okay oh, go I, on. I, would, I, would, I mean as well as being it was certainly wonderful and I, I would go further I would actually say that given the amount of time I've spent with, I've met subsequently many more people through those initial yeah. few maneuver, and the amount of time I've spent around them, with them, uh, socialising, protesting, uh, just kind of keeping each other sane between sort of mid-November last year and, and well, now, really, I would go as far as to say that that, that initial message and, and the response I got was basically a lifesaver. Because yeah. at that point, you know, late autumn last year, I don't really think any of my, you know, friends from my previous life were willing to do anything very much at all. I know. They were they were completely bought into the whole COVID narrative, and, and uh, so it was it was impossible. And it's, so yeah, I I feel <clears throat> the same. I've met so many people. Like I, there are now hundreds of names. I would say in my mind of people that I know and people that I've met through all this and it's just it really has been an absolute privilege it, and yeah. a great joy really and it saved my life I agree with you I would have gone completely do yeah I think I think it's, it's no exaggeration to say that yeah um so from this initial drinks evening you know I then uh was introduced to an organisation that had actually sprung up in June of last year, and I, I've not been aware of them at all, but uh, a wonderful lady, she won't mind me mentioning at least her, her first name, her name is Jill, um, and a chap called Francis, who had set up a thing they called Keep Oxfordshire Open, okay. and every single day they did this, it had tailed off a little bit now, but every single Saturday, from the start of June last year through until we really kept it going until probably mid-April this year before mm-hmm. people started to do a few other things with their lives. Every single Saturday, we had a pop-up gazebo thing in the, right in the centre of Oxford, covered in, in posters that they, mostly the two of them, Jill and Francis, had made, showing kind of data showing uh, quotes from, from Halfcock and others about how masks wouldn't be needed and uh, goodness knows what else and, and some cartoons and things, all kinds of things that the gazebo was plastered with an outside of them. And they were there every Saturday. I mean, those two initially and gradually joined by an increasing number of uh, myself and others who, who got to know them just being there as kind of moral support or, or to chat or to try to engage members of the public and, and explain why 
lockdown is such a flawed concept and why uh, the, the threat from this virus and respiratory disease has been talked up and, and fear-mongered beyond any uh, reason, far beyond any sort of reasonable level. Um, and, you know, we were there last summer when there were very few, really, restrictions on them and you could protest, you could have pretty much, I don't remember there being any limits on gathering numbers. And we did this all the way through the winter in that brutal, brutal lockdown from the 4th of January until, mm-hmm. you know, until the, the 12th of April. And we had regular clashes with, with the, um, the police and one particular, not clashes, not, not violent clashes, but I mean, they would constantly be sort of driving past and, and coming and saying, who's the organiser here? Who's the organiser here? You know, uh, trying to, to pin everything on one person, essentially. Uh-huh. And we were, we were wise enough, of course, to say, oh, you know, we just all turn up. There isn't an organiser. There's not much they could do, you know, right, whether or not they were... Of course, the, the evil, evil, I think it was Prissy Patel, I mean, they all were evil with each other, but I think it was her who specifically brought in yet another of among the hundreds and hundreds of statutory instruments that the government has just waved through mm-hmm. without kind of democratic debate. One of them for the, the January to April lockdown was the prohibition on protest. So we, we found a way around that. We were not a protest group, we were we were a support group for so anybody who was feeling down and goodness knows people were yeah. um come and, and talk to someone. So there was very little they could do. A couple of times they did make it sort of pack up and go, but for the most part, we, we stood our ground and, and in the end, they just kind of gave up and stopped having a go at us. Um, so, there was that, and, and as I say, I, I, a bit like you, I probably, one way or another, between Keep Oxfordshire open, um, the lockdown skeptics forums, I've been over to the Reading as a I think they're called the Reading Freedom Fighters or something. There's a group of meets there in a, uh, the top, <laughs> I won't say where it is, but they meet near Reading in the kind of upstairs room of a cafe that's run by a, a woman who is completely awake and is not having any of this bullshit. Uh-huh. And she lets, us, she lets us use her cafe sort of by the, in the dead of night when nobody is out looking. So between all of that, I've met whether it's been in the hundreds or maybe, maybe tens, but, you know, 40, 50, 60 perhaps different people um, from all over the county of Oxfordshire and, and beyond. And they're all, you know, well, I'd say the range of kind of reasons why people are there is, is enormous. But to anyone listening who, who isn't, but, you know, is perhaps more hesitant or is, uh, more has been more in favour of lockdowns. I can absolutely promise you that, with maybe one or two exceptions, the vast majority of these people are just ordinary people. They are not like mad, tinfoil hatted conspiracy theorists. They're just ordinary people who are who are angry and sad and have lost livelihoods or or businesses or social lives or, yeah. or things that mattered to them um, for no reason, no reason at all. I know, it, and it is for no reason, and we can say that categorically, there is no evidence that any of these measures have made any difference whatsoever. No, none, none at all. Um, and it, it's, 
it just made me sort of boil with frustration all year that, that people are on the whole watching the news, whether it's Sky or the BBC or Channel 4, or, or it doesn't matter, they're always bad as each other. Um, and, or, you know, they may be kind of getting their news bite size from the, the BBC app or the Guardian app or whatever, or, you know, most, even most of the newspapers, frankly, until recently, when the Telegraph very much got on the anti-lockdown bandwagon, they've all been guilty of cheerleading and, and sort of supporting un unquestioningly and uncritically what the, the government and the, and the scientists said was the correct course of action. Mm -hmm. um, so people, you know, do I blame them? Yes and no. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always surprised. I know a lot of very, uh, this is not sort of suggesting that I'm some wizard, but I do know a lot of very intelligent people who have not, asked questions at all. You know, when, when the Brexit debate was happening, these same people were asking questions. They were challenging what they, they were being told by the, the pro kind of pro Brexit line of, of uh, mm -hmm. what was it, three hundred and fifty million a week back to the NHS. People would query that and say, Well where does that figure come yeah. from? How 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 do you back it up? Where's the evidence? But I think and this time they've just kind of gone, oh, well, you know, the government and scientists say that this is it, so that yeah. must be so. I think so that's, you know, it's interesting because um, I was speaking, she won't mind me mentioning her either. I don't actually know her surname. But I was speaking to Maeve, who's the lead on the Health Freedom Ireland group last week. Right. And she had some really interesting insight into um, all of this. And she was saying that she thinks that places that have been relatively recently still quite actively what was have some members of the or like have a even a very small proportion but a place where the catholic church has been recently quite active yes they had their whole belief system completely shaken by the um i'm not finding my words the scandals in the catholic church and their religious faith has shifted in the last 10 years towards yeah. science and I think that's the difference so during Brexit people were very questioning because they don't trust politicians yeah but this COVID thing people trust science or they think they do but they don't understand what science is no. you know this whole okay. following the science bullshit to use your words that you've said a couple of times yeah. I love that word it's total but following the science makes absolutely no sense whatsoever science isn't a thing it's not like a a single oh. entity that has an answer to something yeah. it's a question no, of it, truth so, you know. exactly what, it, what it's been is, is not following the science but following a particular scientific model or, or suggestion um, oh hang on what's going on here someone else is trying to bring me and I need to stop um, which is your number is the one that ends 103 right yes <laughs> right it's tricky okay, that I, I always struggle with I think they've gone okay I think they've gone um, so, yeah no it's not following the science because the science is far very far from settled on this yeah it's following a particular path recommended mm -hmm. by some unhinged scientists yeah. and, and modelers whose models are, are 
we now know uh, are and were deeply flawed in all sorts of ways, um, not least that, that uh, hypocritical shyster neo-service and this imperial model that has been proven wrong over and over and over I again. I know, and we're still behaving like it's, you know, absolute fact. It's so strange. Yeah, well, and he's still been given the oxygen of, of, of airtime. I know, though, just awful. You know, his, he didn't even manage to take count in his initial uh, model that, that sort of plunged us into lockdown. He didn't even manage to take account of uh, the seasonality of the virus, which yeah, was obvious from the beginning. Um, and then... Uh, the thing I can't believe is that his model wasn't even a Gompertz curve. I'm sorry? And the thing I can't get over is that his model wasn't even a Gompertz curve. <laughs> no. Which is what epidemics it's follow. It's like... I, it, anyway, yes. So yeah. you've got all these... Yeah. People, you know people who are very smart who... Yeah, in both camps, basically. They haven't tested it. And if you try to sort of bring it up with them, it strains relations. It, it uh, you know, it certainly has one or two people cut off contact in, in the past year, and I'm not sure if it will ever be resumed. No. And others have said that they will, you know, not kind of abandon being friends necessarily, but they will no longer look at my Facebook posts or whatever. Oh, I know. I think that's happened to all of us. Because, because what what we're saying is very frightening. I'm frightened. And I yeah. understand people don't want to look at it because it's like you're pulling a, a thread which people are scared to pull. Um, yeah, and it, it really, you know, we're coming up to the swap. I, I, I'm going to have to give it five more minutes, but um, what I'd say is that the other thing I've subsequently done, um, so I met all of these people and we've been, been having this, this gazebo and, and protest and we led protests through Oxford on some of the same day when there were protests in London. Um, and I then, I was so pissed off, frankly, that when the local elections came round, I actually ran as a county council candidate here where I, I live in, uh, in Oxford mm-hmm. for the Freedom Alliance. Um, now, it was all quite last minute. I, I got my nomination in with, with three weeks to go or something before the election, mm-hmm. and together with my those I've got to know, the Keep Oxfordshire Open crowd, we just about managed to get round and leaflet the entire, um, virtually every household in the division, as it is for county council, that well I, was, uh, I was campaigning for. We didn't have time to go knocking on every door and speaking to every person. And of course, we didn't have the resources in the way that the main parties do to, to uh, attempt that. But despite all those kind of Thing, uh, drawbacks or, or things we were up against, I still got 54 votes, which gave me at least a little bit of hope well done. that there were people out there who were who were listening. But, you know, we, we, what I'd say now is we're at a very, very dangerous point because, as, as you, you said when we were messaging uh, earlier this week, it's been quite easy, and I've been a little bit guilty of this myself, in the last three or four weeks, especially since the, the pubs opened again, to relax into uh, well, you know, I'm doing most of the things I used to do. I'm playing golf, I'm playing cricket, uh, I'm going to the pub. I went to the cinema the other day, and <clears throat> I'm even 
well, subject to what happens on Monday, and, and even, you know, got uh, Freemasons meetings due to start again in, in late June. Wow. So it's very easy to, it has been very easy to relax and to a sort of doing things again, working from home, yes, but otherwise kind of semi-normal life, and, and yes, there's all this rubbish around the edges of wear a mask when you get up to from your seat in the pub to go to loo or whatever. And I never sign in to anything. I don't have any apps. I don't get any apps. I just tell them either I <clears throat> do it manually, which can of course give them a wrong phone number, or uh, or not at all. Um, but uh, we're at a very dangerous point because it would seem, you know, the drumbeat is starting from stage and including that awful fucking communist woman, Susan Mickey, who would have us yeah. socially distanced and wearing masks forever. But she actually she, uh, said uh, this week. She did. She actually did. She laughed. She said it whilst, you know, laughing. She has longed for this moment, but she mm-hmm. a witch, and she has longed for this level of state authoritarian control over, over the movements of the, the plebs. You know, she's also very wealthy, by the way. She's a no, wealthy communists um, are the best kind, aren't they? <laughs> exactly. Um, so we're approaching a very dangerous point because, as I say, the drumbeat has started to just another few weeks, you know, just a little bit longer. Apparently, I mean, of course, it's an easy argument for them to make. They can say, oh, just until, you know, every, all the other 50s have had their, their next jam. But we should have, if people haven't learned by now that just another few weeks at this point, there'll be another of these bloody variants. So it's our own, we'd make a, a rod for our own back in this country by being too good at this blasted genomic sequencing, which allows us to find these things that everyone else is blissfully unaware of. Um, and there'll be another one. And yeah. then it'll be, oh, well, okay, we may have done all the over 50s double jabs, but now we need to wait until all children, you know, vaccinated children is, is abhorrent in its own way, but that's, that's a topic for another day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it'll be until all the children are done, and then it will be, oh, there's another, there's the variant from Honor Bloody Lulu, um, and we have to wait now until everybody's had their booster jab. If the people haven't learned that this is not going to end, it's not meant to end, they don't want it to end. No. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how much more obvious they can make it. I know, and it, it's, it's astounding, and, and uh, I actually have. I don't wish to, to alarm your listeners too much, but I have an email, well, it's an email that I sent to myself, but it's something I saved uh, or copied rather from a, it's called Vision News or something like that, mm-hmm. dated 15th of April, and it was a prediction which said at the time, so bear in mind this was only three days after the, the first unlock step of their stupid solving roadmap. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it said, on the 15th of April, it said the 17th of May unlock will be allowed to go ahead, as it was. Um, the 21st of June one will not. Um, in this prediction at the time, they said it, there will be a variant that they think is more deadly or transmissible or both than uh, ever seen before. Admittedly, at the time, it, they thought in this prediction, they thought it would be the South African variant. It's not, it's the Indian one, but you know, same difference. Um, and it said the 21st of June will not be allowed to happen. And when, if you remember, there was a great 
kerfuffle when Boris Johnson said that the majority of the work in reducing the, the rates and yeah. all of that was not down to vaccines but due to lockdown. And he was immediately greeted with derision. And people said, but look at the data, look at the, the vaccine rollout. Of course it's the vaccine. And he didn't really sort of go back on himself that much. But anyway, what this prediction says is that he didn't say that, he didn't uh, misspeak in saying that. Actually, it was entirely intentional because this, the words of this prediction, I can even read it to you. It says, can I just bring it up? It says, um, note that Boris is now talking down vaccines and digging up lockdowns. That wasn't a mistake, by the way. This is from a Whitehall source. I don't know who, but you wouldn't expect to. That wasn't a mistake, by the way. That was all part of the plan. Yeah. Um, and uh, that the 21st of June will not be allowed to happen. The idea, as it says here, all the measures are aimed at two things vaccine passports and lockdowns starting next winter. The ultimate goal, says the source, is to have the public back in their box. So there you are. Now, I've never before this year or this last 15 months believed in conspiracy theories. I used to sort of think they were, you know, as, 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 well. as um, dismissive of them as, as the next person, but I, I'm not anymore because I really, I see these, Bastards, you know, they're all jetted in for their mm -hmm. G7 meeting in Cornwall. Apparently, all of them exempt from the quarantine requirements that apply to the rest of us poor bastards if we dare to, to venture out of this country. I know they don't have to because they are you know, the, the, the big wigs. Um, and there they are, lecturing us on that awful phrase, building back better, mm -hmm. and, uh, and climate change as well, of course. Um, having flown in Johnson on a bloody private jet from London to Cornwall, you know. But they, I just, it makes my, my I can almost like feel the, the blood pounding against the side of my head. Do, do they not see how astonishingly hypocritical they are and, and what sort of a message they're sending to the, the public whose lives and hopes and dreams and... and yeah, um, has been squashed in such they, a they don't care. Way. No, they don't, do they? No. I mean, the thing is, no. what we know that again, this isn't particularly controversial to say. This lockdown has killed a lot of people. Yes. And um, I mean, absolutely. I mean, thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. I mean, the government's own predictions don't they say that five hundred thousand people will die because of lockdown or something? And, and you know the number of children that are going to die worldwide <coughs> because of lockdowns is immense, and oh, yeah. they, they don't care. They they couldn't yeah. care less that they've destroyed your life. That doesn't matter to no, really, really couldn't. I, I think it's important to to say that is I'm whinging about you know me not being able to have fun and do things, but which is the central concern for me because that's me and that's my life. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, and. I'll, Worked from home and I continue to be paid and, and uh, whatever. The, the people who have no income, the people who've fallen between the cracks of all the government support schemes, the, the children around the world plunged into poverty. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they are the ones I have suffered, but in a material way. They have suffered in a way that will, will either end prematurely or, or permanently kind of scar their lives. 
And it's, it's unforgivable. It's absolutely unforgivable. It is. And now we, we have this sort of bizarre circular reasoning that we, we live in where five million people are on the NHS waiting list and somehow you've got to continue lockdown because the NHS is at risk of being overwhelmed by the people <laughs> who couldn't go into hospital and be treated whilst the NHS became the National COVID Service. It's an absolute disgrace. I'm laughing, but it's not funny. No, it really isn't. No. So, I mean, there's so much more, you know, I've given you a, a kind of a flavour of, of some of the activities we, we did here to try to maintain sanity and, and fight against it. But, I, you know, clearly we could, there's so much, we haven't touched on vaccine passports, we haven't touched on the testing, we mm. haven't touched on, on masks at all. There's so much more, so you know, I'm very happy to sort of do part two on, on another occasion. Yeah. I quite I like that your story though because I um I know that you'll take this the right way, but you have had a privileged lockdown. A bit like I myself have. You know, like I yeah. don't have, you've not had a major catastrophe hit you during this time like some people have. And actually in a way that makes people like you and me uniquely able to comment on it because if you're downtrodden by serious impairments that have been imposed upon you by lockdown you don't have time or energy to fight it you know what I mean it's actually the the, the people like you and me I've not had any major grumbles in lockdown really just apart from the outrageousness of it all and maybe because of that I've got more time to look at it and I've got time to actually see the outrageousness because most people believe that lockdown has served a purpose and it's a terrible thing to tell them but they have to understand that it hasn't served a purpose because if people believe that we're going to be locked down forever there will always be a reason to lock us down then um, yeah. And so actually the fact that you've had such a privileged lockdown being able to go to Madeira for your holidays during that time, in a way it's even more powerful, you know, because it's actually... Yeah. Well, uh, so despite those things happening, I'm still yeah. feeling I'm feeling, so yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's been, I know that you've got another call to take, so thank you so much for taking the time to tell your story yeah. and um, sorry about all the technical difficulties maybe, no, no maybe we will yeah. have a part two I do go back to people maybe we should wait three weeks and see what the situation is <laughs> yeah possibly well certainly until at least after, after Monday and whatever doomsday scenario they have lined up for us might you be in London on the 26th of June well um I will have to see. I, I did actually have plans to. Uh, like, one thing I did in lockdown that was was good was to buy myself an inflatable kayak. So mm. <laughs> I was actually planning to go and kayak the River Medway in Kent with a, a friend of mine who mm. was similarly uh, into that sort of thing. I I've been on one of the London protests. Uh, I've done. I've led a protest myself through Oxford. Um, it's. I would like to go, and I, you know, I hugely admire the people who've been to every single one. But I sort of feel like over these next few weeks, it, whilst there is some limited 
freedom granted to us by our magnanimous uh, <laughs> Politburo, I sort of want to take it because I'm, I have no doubt that whatever they announce on Monday, we will be back in lockdown in the autumn as soon as cases oh, are going Definitely. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, it, I, I may not be unless the kind of thing doesn't happen, but uh, okay. you know, good luck and props to those who are. And let's, let's by all means, as I said, do another do another one of these or an update one or whatever in, in a couple of weeks' time. And I think that your idea of open Oxfordshire is very good. I'm hoping that some of our listeners will think of doing something similar. Just meeting, like a stand in the park. Just yeah, meeting, yeah. meeting someone it's a, it's a and making new friends because there's a real power in that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mark. Have a lovely no, weekend. Same to you, and uh, I've got your number now, so uh, I look forward to speaking again soon. Okay. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. We hope you found it interesting and that you'll join us again soon.